Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. Our scripture reading for tonight is nice and simple. Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we enter into this time of dedication, help us to remember this simple truth that we are called to have faith like a child, that you love these children, that in some crazy way, the kingdom belongs to them. Teach us what it means to be children before you. Teach us what it means to love these children. Teach us what it, what it means to enter into the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Amen. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? So it's a joy to be here tonight. Um, welcome to everybody who's visiting us. Um, yeah, among the things that COVID took from us in 2020, it was a baby dedication service. So I keep calling it a baby dedication service, but these guys are not really, I mean, babies anymore. So that's, uh, I don't know, but I don't know when they stop being babies. Is Henry still a baby? Okay, yeah, and Talon is not a baby, but that's okay. We are dedicating tonight, and we are here, and it is exciting that we are together. Um, and of course, part of what we do in a baby dedication service is uh, to dedicate these kids to God and hope that they will grow up knowing who God is, who Jesus is, what the calling of the gospel is, what it means to have faith. We pray that these kids will one day be people who love Jesus and aim to look and smell like Christ in all that they do, which of course raises a good question of how kids come to know about who God is. And there's probably lots of answers to that question, but, but tonight I want to focus on one, and it brings me to the mystery of Pismobo. Some of you might have heard this story before, um, but when Augie was about 18 months old, usually Augie's downstairs, but he's up here tonight, so he gets to hear me talk about him. When Augie was about 18 months old and just learning to talk, he started to ask us for Pismobo. And he did it at dinner. He'd say, Pismobo, Pismobo. And then he'd do it again at bedtime. He'd say, Pismobo, Pismobo. And for the life of us, we couldn't figure out what he was talking about. Pismobo, like, did he want pineapples or pretzels or Pepto-Bismol? It was very confusing. What the heck is Pismobo? And after a week or so of this, I was singing to Augie at bedtime and he asked again for Pismobo. And all of a sudden I figured it out. Does anybody know what Pismobo was? It's the million dollar prize. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's what he wanted. He wanted us to sing the doxology to him. That's what Pismobo was. So here it was. This was kind of this awesome moment, right? Where this little kid who could hardly talk, one of the first things that he was asking us for was the doxology. And so it begs the question of how the heck did that happen? 
How did this little one who could hardly talk, one of the first things he was asking for was the doxology? And there's uh, three answers that I want to look at tonight, and I won't be too long tonight because we want to celebrate these kids and hear from our couples. But the first is the uh, kids learn faith from their parents. Of course, pretty much like every aspect of life, kids learn more by what their parents do than what they actually say, which is humbling and challenging for us as parents. In the case of Pismo Boat, Augie hadn't learned that from like a religion class. He learned it from our family. It was actually a song that we were singing at dinner and at bedtime. It was one of our family rhythms. And obviously it was good. You know, if we, if we were just kind of grumpy every time we sang it, he wouldn't have asked for it. But instead it was something that was connected to life and to goodness. And so he wanted it. So kids will learn about scripture from what their parents teach them about scripture, of course, but kids will come to love scripture when their parents love it and live it out in meaningful ways. And kids can be taught all sorts of things about prayer, but they will likely decide whether it's a life-giving endeavor, something that brings joy or a boring ritual based upon what they see, what they experience. And while parents can and should teach their things about Jesus, kids will form their first opinions about the goodness of the gospel based upon how they see it lived out. This doesn't mean parents need to be perfect. In fact, part of what we do as parents is model grace for our children. We show them how we respond when we make a mistake, what it means to receive the forgiveness of God. I went to ask a bunch of pastor's kids who were still following Jesus why it actually stuck for them. And the consistent answer I got was that their parents' faith was real. It was lived, it was honest, and as kids, they were included in it. They weren't sent to the best Sunday schools, the best youth groups, the best Christian schools. That wasn't the thing that stuck with them. It's that they saw something real and it was something that they wanted to continue to live out. So parents, young and old, your first job as you teach your kids about Jesus is to look and smell like Jesus yourself. Amen? And if you're here tonight and you say, well, I'm not a parent, I'm off the hook. You are not off the hook. Because one of the second places that kids will learn about faith is community. And of course, in Nagi's case, he learned that because that was a song, right, that we sang every Sunday. And again, if he came here and church was a miserable place where people were grumpy and mean to each other, he wouldn't want to sing this song. But instead, church was, it was a place of life and a place of joy. And as such, Peace Mobo was something attractive, something he wanted to be part of. Kids will learn from watching us, not just each of us individually, but from our common life together, how we treat one another. They will learn from us whether Christians are kind and loving people or mean and, judge and judgmental people. They will learn from us whether the gospel is just a neat moral system, a set of rules, or whether it is a means to know the living God. They will know from us whether church is just a social club or a place where the hungry are fed and the naked are clothed and the prisoners are set free. Augie learned the doxology from church on Sundays primarily, but if all he ever saw was pettiness and gossip on Sundays, he probably wouldn't have wanted to hear that song. 
So we'll take a, a moment a little later for reflection, but it's a good question, just how we're doing. When our children are here on Sundays, do they see love? Do they see joy? Do they see grace? Not just in us personally, but in how we treat one another. Doesn't mean we have to be all sunshines and rainbows, right? Part of what we teach our children is how to deal with grief, how to deal with trial, how to deal with suffering. That's a big aspect of what we teach our children, how to deal with the hard things in this world. These kids will likely know, form opinions about whether the gospel is good based upon what they see here. Not only on Sundays, of course, but how we live out our life throughout the week as well, how we interact with one another. I grew up in a church that was kind of boring. I didn't always connect to like the liturgy, to the service, but people loved each other there. And I know when I went off to college and my faith kind of fell apart, the goodness of God, that I learned that God was good from that church and that mattered and that kept me connected to God all the way through. I learned that from church, that God was good. And so that's always the question for us. We're all, will our children learn the same? And lastly, children learn faith from God. I know it's a little silly to say that, but children learn about God from God. Sometimes we lose sight of that. We think that faith is like this thing that we have to import into them. It's a product or a set of beliefs. But the great mystery that scripture tells us is that, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children, that God is already at work in them, that God knows them from the moment of conception, that God is working in their lives already, that God loves them so deeply. And in some cool way, they're actually keyed in more to the gospel than we are. So it's our calling not just to teach our kids about God, but to draw faith out of them. That's actually what the word education means. It means to adduce, to draw something out, to help them understand the voice of God already at work in their lives. So we teach them the story of God. Scripture tells us to do that, right? To teach them the scriptures, to teach them this great legacy and history and tradition that we have and these beliefs that we have. But these things are always means not ends in themselves. They are means to helping our children understand the living God. Maybe Augie wanted Pismo bow because it was just stuck in his head. But scripture tells us something else is true, that from the day he was conceived, from the moment he was born, God was stirring. God was at work. God was speaking to him. It's weird to say, but again, kids learn about God from God. And so it's our job as parents in this community to make space for these kids to know about the living God. So, you know, I'll never know for certain what was going on in little 18 month old Augie at the time. And obviously he'll have to grow up and make decisions for himself and decide truly what it means for him to follow Jesus. But I do know that for one week in 2014, all he wanted to hear was Peace Mobile. And I'm gonna take that as a win. Just a reminder that how we live in ourselves, in our community and how we open up space for God truly matters.
And so that's our calling tonight. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, as part of our service tonight, we're going to get to hear from our parents a little bit about how they have come to meet God through these children. So first up, Richardson's. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Every month, we take Henry's picture on his birth date with a stuffed lion. And the image of that strong, courageous lion and that verse from Joshua were laid on our hearts long before Henry was born. We chose Isaac as his middle name. It means son of laughter. You see, before he was born, God was telling us that our little boy would need to be strong and would need to be lighthearted and filled with laughter. Yeah. Henry was born in the early days of the pandemic just two weeks after I came out of quarantine. And despite the challenges that COVID brought, he was born without incident. Yeah. He slept well as a newborn. He wasn't fussy. And he had an easygoing disposition. But yet God still laid it on our hearts to pray for courage and for strength. In September, I left my job in the car business for an opportunity to work from home. And life was very different with me being home. We had all our meals together for the first time ever. Krista homeschooled the kids. I worked in my office. And easygoing Henry was just along for the ride. And then December came. As, <clears throat> excuse me, as most of you know, Henry was diagnosed in uh, early December with hemophilia A at CHOP. Uh, he got multiple IV injections. He had blood drawn several times. And Krista kept whispering in his ear, you're so brave. Now, with a life of injections and transfusions ahead of him, we understand the prayers that God placed on our hearts long before Henry was born, for him to be strong and courageous. That little boy with that big smile and that happy laugh. And so our prayer for all of us tonight is that we would remember the lesson that God laid on our hearts for the life that Henry has ahead of him. And may this be something that we all echo in our hearts. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Um, and part of what we were asked today was how do we see God through our kids? And I switch. <laughs> Tries to talk to all of you. He does like Zoom too, so he's so used to that's why he's waving everybody. Um, but what what have we learned through him and how have we seen God through him? And I think even in those prayers of like being strong like a lion and brave like a lion, um, there are moments that I was gonna need that too. Um, so it reminded me that I, I needed that strength too. I needed his courage and strength um, to walk through, 
through those moments and the hard ones to come. Yeah, I know I have the treats, I'm sorry. Here you go. But um, yeah, just that I see, um, and I'm grateful already for the ways that I see how he's taught me to have um, courageous faith and trust um, and that everything's going to be okay. This might be hard, but it's going to be okay. And um, I wrote something that was just like that God knew all of these details ahead that exactly what he was going to need. I mean, our backgrounds, um, you know, I have a sports med background and he was a military. So all this stuff that you're going to need to take care of somebody medically, God already knew that um, he was going to need that. He was going to need um, just the circumstances to be perfect and right and um, where we were living, you know, in what house we had, what our jobs were, all those things. And they matter to God and, um, and that he set them up already in advance and so that God knew that this, we were going to need this so that he, he was going to need this and so I'm reminded of God's faithfulness um, in that um, and so every day I remember you know if I have to look at him when I have to eventually give him a shot at home twice a week you know that for my own courage to handle his craziness um, and that he would handle life with courage too um, that's my prayer for him so. All right. Well, one way that I experienced God through Talon, well, Talon's middle name is Joy. And I think for Talon, it's, it's a little bit more than just part of her name. I think Joy is something that she embodies and brings with her wherever she goes. Uh, of course, it's hard to be joyful all the time, uh, which is also true for Talon, but... Um, I would say in, in Taylor's play and her laughter and uh, wanting to snuggle, all these different ways uh, that we experience Taylor every day, joy is something that she so often brings and embodies. And for me, I think it's a reminder and a small reflection of the joy of God, the joy of just being with him and in his presence. Uh, and we even just see that joy in Talon of just being present with you. Um, so for me, she reminds me of a reflection of God's joy that we experience. All right. Um, so when we found out we were having another little girl, we quickly jumped online looking for names because Matt and I have such a hard time agreeing on names. And we came across Taylin and just loved it immediately. Um, but Taylin doesn't have a definition or meaning itself, but related to the word similar to Taylor, meaning mending. And so, you know, that I just took that in the back of my head and it wasn't like a totally aha moment quite yet. But a few weeks later, I was struck by the fact that I hadn't really been praying for this little girl yet. And so this is when I was pregnant. And I want, I remember so clearly I was um, at a stoplight and driving and I just asked the Lord, how can I pray for this little girl? What do you want me to pray for her? And just the word presence, just, I felt this rush come at me just so obviously God saying presence, pray for her to be a person of presence. 
And he knew right away that was to be a light of Christ, to have God's presence with her, to hold that space for other people, allowing them to be present and to see God's presence. It was a few days after her birth um, when I realized how what a gift Taylin had been for me this idea of being of a presence mending our broken hearts god said i have given her, her to you to mend your broken heart because many of you know evelyn's birth was traumatic and difficult almost all the worst case scenarios totally against everything i longed for and so here um two years later going into her delivery we were nervous and and then to see some of the same problematic things arise in those first hours of labor um we were scared and yet it's so distracting to have this little one here um, <laughs> we were feeling scared and i heard so clearly just this reminder um that god was with me again to have presence there and the way she came brought us just as much joy as having her ourselves. And not only because the way she came, the delivery was everything I dreamed and had longed for, but more so because I knew God's presence was so clearly with me through that experience. I knew that in the scripture cards I had that brought me so much peace as Matt read them while I was in labor. That even hours later, my doula, who's not a Christian, said, um, we need to get those cards out again. Those gave her a lot of peace. We need to, we need to read those again. You know, and God just meeting me there in such a unique way is going to be a highlight of, from my life, just to have been able to know God's presence in the midst of labor and delivery. So she's come to mend my broken heart. But all of these kids, the joy they exude, the way that they teach us courage, they come to mend our broken hearts, to show us God's presence with us. So we hope that these kids do that for you too, and not just us. So, praise the Lord. <laughs> To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.